Happy Holidays from WTMJ. It's time for WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. It's time to hear the best of the best conversations from the show throughout 2023. Now, here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for joining me on our holiday special on WTMJ. One of the great things about having a show on WTMJ is that you get to celebrate all the holidays. And, and this is one of those holidays that I love. I love Christmas. I love that time of year. Family, friends. And the shows we get to do are uh, often unique, and uh, we're going to give you a couple of examples of that during this holiday season. Uh, one of them is an interview show that will play uh, some of our best interviews throughout the year, and the other one is a special holiday edition of An Hour with Chef Michael Fecker, local restaurateur and fun guy. And we're going to celebrate the traditions and the fun and the festivities of holidays. So one thing I want to say before we get to the interviews is that I love what I do, and I love the fact that you join me every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon on WTMJ. That is the fun part of the job, and the interviews that we do are always amazing. So uh, we'll share those stories. So during the course of the year, and there's been several uh, iterations of the program this year, started with the Steve Scavidi Show and then WTMJ Now, I've had the the great honor and pleasure of interviewing a lot of people, and I thought as we were putting our end-of-the-year special together, why not bring back some of the great interviews that we've done throughout the course of the year? Now, you're going to hear some other voices besides mine. Carol Kane joined me on a few of these. Sandy Max, who now has her own program on Evenings on WTMJ called What's on Tap. She was part of an interview that we did with... Uh, Gary Sinise and Kyle Troop. Let me walk through the interviews with you as you uh, approach this hour of radio. Gary Sinise, author, actor, humanitarian, will join us first. Uh, he joined us to talk about his great efforts. He was in town talking about a local events. Kyle Troop, PBA bowler, but you know him. If you ever watched a PBA bowling event, he's got the big afro, and it's he's a very charismatic, fun guy. We had a lot of fun talking about bowling. I even wowed him with one of my stories about uh, bowling with a house ball. He'll join us in this hour. Greg Marcus, frequent guest on the program, chairman of the board of the Marcus Corporation. We talked about theaters and movies and some of his great hotels. And the last interview of the hour is Augie Guerrero, one of our Salute to Service honorees. Every May, I do my Salute to Service with a lot of great partners here at WTMJ. And his story is tremendous. And I wanted to make sure that as we uh, celebrate the year of 2023, we brought at least one of those great Salute to Service interviews along to the show today. And uh, he is worth the listen. So we're going to spend the next hour with you celebrating some great interviews that we did throughout the year. After the break... Author, actor, and humanitarian Gary Sinise on his wonderful organization that benefits veterans. That's after this on WTMJ. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. You know, I'm thrilled about interviews, but this one I'm really thrilled about. Gary Sinise is, is one of those people that... There's the professional side, brilliant actor, best known role, I think, Lieutenant Dan Forrest Gump, Academy Award nominee, Won a ton of other acting awards. Uh, his his work, though, on behalf of veterans, wounded veterans, their families, first responders, and on our Tri County Contracting Hotline is Gary Sinise. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. One one of the things I love about your work for veterans is you weren't a veteran yourself, and you know, for people that don't understand why this is important, why is this mission so critical for you? Why do you want to do this? Because I love talking about veterans. I, I do everything I can to help them, but I didn't serve either. But my dad did. My brother did. Air Force, Navy. Why is it so important? You know, I was impacted year, uh, years ago by 
by the actually by the veterans on my wife's side of the family, Vietnam veterans. And uh, when I, I met her in 1976, and she introduced me to her brothers. Both had served in Vietnam. Her sister served in the Army. She married a Vietnam veteran who was in the Army, a combat medic. Uh, all three of those Vietnam veterans impacted me a lot back in the 70s and early 80s. That's why I really wanted to do this play uh, at Steppenwolf that was written by a group of Vietnam veterans. The play was called Tracers. I was the artistic director of Steppenwolf back in, in the day, and I was so moved by the stories that these veteran brothers-in-law had told me about serving in Vietnam and then coming home and dealing with a very difficult uh, country who had been divided by the war. I was impacted by that. I wanted to do something to help, so I started looking for a piece of material to direct that would speak to the Vietnam veteran experience, and I found a play that was being performed in Los Angeles in 1980 that was written by a group of Vietnam veterans who were performing it. Only a few of them had done theater before. The rest were just veterans who came together. They heard about this one, one Vietnam veteran who was starting to, trying to put a play together. They came together. They workshopped it for six months, and they came up with a play called Tracers. I flew out there and saw it. I was blown away by it, and I asked them to let me do it in Chicago, which they did, and uh, we put it up on on stage in 1984, and it really galvanized something in me back then to try to do everything I could to support veterans. And then, you know, 10 years later, I played a Vietnam veteran in Forrest Gump, and that was um, that was galvanizing as well because he was a he was a wounded veteran, and that started me supporting our wounded through the Disabled American Veterans Organization, and then, uh, you know. September 11th rolled around, mm. and uh, we started deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan, and I just felt like the 80s and 90s had teed me up for a level of service to try to give back to our active duty folks uh, and current modern warriors uh, to make sure that what happened to our Vietnam veterans when they came home from war didn't happen to this current group of veterans. And that that's why I'm so involved in it all turned into the Gary Sinise Foundation eventually. I want to share with you, we got uh, a text from Bill from Oshkosh, and he said a uh, question or just some, a message for Gary Sinise. And Gary texted in, thank you for your work for Gold Star Families. We saw you in the Lieutenant Dan Band several years ago in a rainy, stormy lacrosse, EAA Oshkosh, and two weeks ago at Fort Moore in Columbus, Georgia, where your name and presence was felt by a grateful 400 nationwide Gold Star family members. Thank you to your foundation and to you personally for your generosity and service to the USA. Signed, a grateful Gold Star family. I I would be remiss if I didn't share that with you. And I hope that that, do those messages just continue to fuel you? Well, thank you so much for for reading that. And please, I don't know if they're listening. God bless you. And and thank you for sending that in. Yes, you know, I, I mean, I could have ne- never predicted years ago that that um, a, few, a few little things would would turn into what it is today—a full full on nationwide effort here through the Gary Sinise Foundation to support our our military and our first responders. But you know, I just found that the more I did, the more I wanted to do, and and I wrote a book eventually. Um, Back in, it came out in 2019, it's called Grateful American, A Journey from Self to Service. And I was, I was encouraged by 
my agent, I'd never written a book before, but I'd been all over the world multiple times uh, in war zones and hospitals and, you know, playing in the band and visiting troops and providing services and supporting nonprofits and all these different things. So, and so my agent encouraged me to kind of document some of that, write it down. And it eventually, you know, I, so I started doing that and then it turned into a, a more of an autobiography. I wanted to say, well, okay, here I'm doing all this service work right now, but where, where did it start? Where does it come from? What are the roots of that? And so the book is called the journey from self to service where you see, you read about a guy who's, you know, just kind of a goofy kid and <laughs> all of that. And then trying to do theater and wanting to be an actor and focusing on all that. And then, you know, the steps along the way that turned into a different life, which was a service life and, and wanting to give back. And, and, you know, I just, my heart was broken after September 11, 2001. It was a, a terrible day, obviously for everybody in our country, but, I just had this terrible broken heart and I I wanted to do something, uh, take action to try to sort of heal that, you know, and, and, and assuage that broken heart in some way. So I just started raising my hand and going out and then I did one thing and then another thing. And then, I mean, it just turned into a massive thing. It's all documented in, in grateful American. And, you know, now it's a full on full time, the mission with the support of thousands and thousands and thousands of our fellow citizens who donate to the Gary Sinise Foundation so that we can do good things to help our defenders and their families out. It's, uh, it's, it's very moving. I mean, it's, it's the fuel that, uh, you know, stokes the fire. Absolutely. When, when I hear that somebody has been impacted by, you know, just showing up and patting somebody on the back. After the break, Gary Sinise shares a special Milwaukee story that's coming up next. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. We're talking with author, actor, and humanitarian Gary Sinise of the Gary Sinise Foundation. Now, Gary, with your experience in Chicago and in the Midwest, you had to have come to Milwaukee at least once, right? Yes. Any any uh, good yeah, memories? Sure. I, I remember. Oh, gosh. <laughs> My first trip... Okay, I'll tell you about my first trip to Milwaukee. There we go. So I was a high school kid, and uh, you know I'm kind of kind of a misguided high school kid, and um, I actually had to go back to high school for one extra semester after I graduated, and so I was a little bit depressed. I had a my, my day at high school would be in the afternoon because I only had to take a certain amount of classes to get that you know, to graduate, get enough credits to graduate. So I would work in the morning. And uh, my job was to drive this uh, businessman to to work. And then I would take his van and go to school. Well, on my way to school, after dropping him off, I picked up a hitchhiker. (laughs) And he's, he's like, he gets in, he tells me he's a Navy guy and he's on his way to Milwaukee. And so I, I said, well, I'll drop you off at the uh, Lake cook road or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and then we got to talking and I was just having such a great time that I ended <laughs> I drove him to Milwaukee <laughs> and I skipped school altogether, drove him to Milwaukee, hung out. We had dinner. 
<laughs> it was great. That was my first trip to Milwaukee. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that because I got in a lot of trouble with my boss because I failed to pick him up when I was supposed to pick him up later in the day. I think it all worked out pretty well. Uh, <laughs> Gary, uh, another real quick one from my, my former producer, producer here at uh, at GKB, uh, Brandon Snide, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veteran who has, has – Suffered a little bit from the burn pits he was exposed to, passed on his comments that he, he loves you and appreciates your efforts on behalf of wounded veterans. So I wanted to pass that on to you. Oh, please give him my best and, and tell him thank you. And thank for, thanks for serving our country. All right. Gary Sinise, you do it all. And, and on behalf of all those veterans out there, they just love you and continue the great work that you do. My best to you. My best to all the veterans uh, listening. God bless you. All right. Gary Sinise, actor, musician, advocate. What else does he do? Author, he does everything. Author, author yeah. His new book. Gary Sinise, one of my favorite people on the planet. Thanks to Sandy Max for helping out on that interview. After the break, Kyle Troop, professional bowler extraordinaire. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. And I am thrilled. I am geeked out about this next interview. I'm going to let you introduce our guest. I am just, as a as a average bowler, that's... <laughs> I think I, my highest game ever was 262, which I was very proud of because I did it you with a, a house ball and house shoes. I mean, come on. I'm impressed. And I got shaky. 262. I got shaky at the end because I, I had a string of strikes going on. Am I, I, I going to do this with a house ball? Of course, I didn't. I got a 262, but I was really proud of it. Well, and in front of other people, and then you realize it's you against the lanes and <laughs> pressure's on. I got a little shaky. Well done. All right. Now imagine doing that on television repeatedly. Which is a great intro to our <laughs> take it away this is, this is awesome i don't want to take away your excitement no i'm this. excited i'm geeked out about it it is absolutely my pleasure to introduce to you on the radio and also on our video stream at wtmj.com professional bowler kyle troop hello everyone <laughs> i'm not used to saying too. that like without that. going true <laughs> because uh, kyle and i know each other he's seen me on the sidelines at the live tv tournaments on fox the other side hustle well instead of being a brewers in game host i'm kind of a bowling on set host to get the crowd fired up and do some introductions and that sort of thing so um i have gotten the pleasure of seeing kyle true bowling in person and his charisma and joy with the audience so I, i'm i'm so funny to say your name and not hear true yeah i was gonna say sandy's my girl she gets the crowd <laughs> livened up and uh that's my favorite part about bowling on tv you know i kind of use the crowd to channel that energy and and uh so she makes it a lot of fun for us on tv what i love wa- about watching is you celebrate it with the big fro which you've kind of knocked down a little bit so you're working on something here now yeah i mean it's summertime you know i live in uh, north carolina slash kentucky uh you know so i needed a cut Needed a big cut, actually, but it'll be back for January. You know, people freaked out, and they always think whenever I would have my hair tight, they'd be like, oh, did you cut your hair? I'm like, no, I just put some product in it. <laughs> now they're asking me, like, you know, oh, you put some stuff in your hair. No, I actually cut my hair now. I'm like, okay. So you played the crowd. You're one of the best at doing that. How, like, when? how did that start for you? Uh, I learned that from my father, Guppy Troop. He was a pro uh, for many years back in the 80s. He was an entertainer. Uh, his first goal was to entertain and then to bowl well. So I really learned how to be a showman just watching him growing up because he was kind of my idol. You know, uh, he won eight titles at 42 wow. regionals, you know, so uh, he had quite a career, but he was just known for the, he was a bowler of the bowlers. And I kind of have been termed that a few times hanging out on the Saturday night tournaments back home or something. And, and, uh, you know, just blessed to have him as someone that I grew up watching because, Without bowlers, we or without fans, we don't have bowling. So the least I can do is kind of entertain. You know, they look at me like a uh, 
LeBron James or a Tiger Woods and and well, bowling. Well, you went right and, to the top of the list there, didn't you? Well, I mean, <laughs> as far as some of the fandom, you know. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't but, argue with you on that. Kyle it, is a fan favorite, and you are really sitting in the presence of one of the best bowlers in the world and on the, I'd say, on the circuit. Like, when you walk up there, your expectation is you're going to knock him down every time, right? Uh, I mean, you know, 220 average is pretty good on tour, which results in about seven to eight strikes a game out of a possible 12. But uh, well, That's pretty good. You know, I expect and have the confidence to do that, but yeah. I am kind of realistic a little bit. So I asked you before the break, we, we, we know what the lives of, like, pro athletes are, the football players, basketball players, pro bowler, what's your life like? You uh, live in the, you live in a dream? Yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, I wanted to be a professional bowler. Uh, I don't work for a living because I enjoy what I do. <laughs> you, you do know, work. I, I bowl. Yeah, I do work. Different way. But, you know, I don't have to, I don't call it work. You know, I just, this is my dream as a kid to become a professional bowler. Uh, you know, it's kind of a grind, you know, especially at the beginning of the season from pretty much January to May. We are on the road. I'm packed in the Kia Telluride for three months, driving from state to state. We bowled in about 10 to 11 different states uh, this year. And then I'm probably home about, a hundred days a year, you know, because I do a lot of uh, coaching clinics, bowling overseas. I was in Japan doing coaching over there, uh, you know. So I do a lot of traveling right now, kind of striking while the iron is hot, bowling well. You know, I'm very knowledgeable, so enjoy sharing that knowledge and experience, helping out kids, adults, whatever it may be. I love that coaching thing. So obviously, everybody's different. You know, every, we all have our weird, weird quirks how we bowl and all that. But the best tip you could give someone who's I'm like a 175 average. I don't bowl that much, but I used to be a lot higher when I bowled a lot. So the best tip you could give any bowler, average bowler on the street, man on the street, woman on the street. Well, I got two for you because I'm always extra. <laughs> uh, one, it would be strikes are for show, spares make the dough. Yes. That was a saying my dad said, you know, spares are very important. But uh, if it was like a physical tip, it would be have good tempo. You know, just watch your steps because a lot of people, their feet just get so fast and if your feet are fast, it's hard to control the rest of your body, which is pretty much all of it in the approach. So you got to have good slower tempo, you know, slower tempo in the first couple steps, and then you can accelerate your steps a little bit. If I gave you a house ball, what would you bowl? You said 228. Are you going to still bowl a 220? Not 262 like you. Whenever you said that, I was like, that's pretty good for them uh, house that, ball action I think games. I have potential. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that potential, but I think I have potential. I could probably get about 180, 190 maybe. Come on, you get better than that. 200 with the house ball. But, you know, we got these uh, special balls. They're built to hook. You know, yeah. they, they how, hook many do you, how many bowling balls do you own? Uh, well, I brought 15 in the car with me 15. this week uh, for six games of bowling. Now, granted, I think we're only allowed six in the building, but... I'm not sure how that was going to work. Is it we'll like bring hot, a few more bags is in. It like hot bats, you just have this one ball has the feel. <laughs> uh, a little bit. It's more like uh, different golf clubs in a golf bag. You know, you have a pitching wedge to a three iron, and they all kind of go a little further. Well, these balls are built to do a little different things. Some hook a little sooner. Some hook later. Some are very drastic, and some are very smooth. That's is that based on a, lane conditions? Yeah, different lane conditions. We need different equipment. You know, I would imagine. Um, I guess that's a little different than golf. They use the same clubs, but yeah, uh, that's a little quick rundown on like how our equipment works so that's why we travel with you know 12 balls but during the season we had about 30 in the car for three months PBA. a lot of weight yes it is that's <laughs> what i was thinking pba professional bowler with 10 career titles kyle troop joining us in the studio somebody asked if you like the big lebowski which is not a bowling movie yeah you know honestly i've never seen that entire movie which people get their mind blown when i say that <laughs> yeah. uh but <laughs> kingpin much. kingpin that's is a cool great movie. Yes, bowling that's, movie that's funny that shows you know the party inside of bowling <laughs> yeah, right. the gamble inside of bowling and then you know a little bit of the actual events too so who's wilder pro bowlers or pro golfers do you think Ooh, 
I think I think bowlers. I think bowlers because those golfers make a lot of money. If they do anything too stupid, they're going to lose millions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we kind of don't think about that. Are there are there millionaire bowlers walking around? I'm sure there are, right? Uh yeah. I mean, over time, you know, yeah. definitely. Uh, I believe I'm getting close to a million on like career earnings. And I've been sponsored? bowling in the PBA for 16 years. Sponsor? Uh, sponsored by Storm Bowling Products, the uh-huh. lightning bowl to have here. For How about YouTube. some love for them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been with Storm Bowling Products for many years. Uh, Coolwick, my jersey sponsor. Uh, Vice is a grip accessory company. I've got a raise eyewear, a glasses company out of Colorado. Look at this guy. He's yeah. got everything. We've got a, a few different sponsors. You know, very blessed to have a good team with me. No hair products? Well. No, just uh, combs. That is a bit shocking. Picks. Yeah, he. I do have my hair picks, you know, but I just bought those in a big lot off of Amazon because they were cheap. <laughs> what was your saying about free before? Come on, if it's free, it's for me. Yes, and that goes for hair picks. So, Kyle, the pro with the fro. Also, uh, as a PBS employee, I also am charmed by your nickname, uh, the Bob Ross of bowling. Yes, I'm charmed by that. So I talked about color of money, right? That was pool, professional pool, and the side games. Is that part of thing of bowling or not? Yeah, a little bit. You know, uh, so in the PBA, there isn't really any side action. It's kind of against the rules, but you know, we can always gamble for dinner or pay for the hotel if you want. But, uh, you know, we have brackets and stuff like that and tournaments, but them action matches, you know, after, after the sweeper on Saturday night in Greensboro, North Carolina, you know, we'll shoe up for a thousand bucks for a best of five and a little action in the back. You know, uh, I did bowl my first ever back to back 300 in a doubles action match. Wow. And I was loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I love that and I story. And I 24 in a row, and uh, and then we beat him the third game. We scooped him, and it was like a north versus south that came down from Delaware. So. Cash is king. This is going to make it bowling. We made a lot of cash that night. because you didn't overthink it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wasn't really thinking about much of anything. I mean, if there was a big crowd, you know, they're cheering for the north and the south. So I felt like it was like a mini TV show. Just a triad in Greensboro. I love the fact you came in, man. It's great to see you. I've seen you on TV a bunch of times. You're minus the big fro. It's not picked out, but uh, I love your attitude. And anybody that does what you do, you're passionate about your sport. You're obviously, your dad started started that passion. Thanks to professional bowler Kyle Troop who joined us in studio. He was one of the, the most fun interviews I've done all year. After the break, he is the chairman of the board of the Marcus Corporation. Greg Marcus joins us on our WTMJ Holiday Special. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on your holiday and sharing with me. We're bringing back some of our great interviews that we did throughout the year. I've had him in studio a number of times. Greg Marcus, chairman of the board of the Marcus Corp. He loves to talk about movies, and so do I. People love the classic movies, and especially when you're talking about the holidays, so you're kind of rolling out this sort of new idea, which I'm fascinated by, playing the hits, sort of. Yep. Tell us about it's, it. It's uh, called the, the we, the overall program is called a passport, and basically what we're doing is we're putting together a group of movies, and you can buy it in one fell swoop, so, so I was going to say. And so, for example, this one is called the Season Screenings Passport. We have, Love to, to put it in context, we have a haunted passport. So we did stuff around Halloween where you could buy a bunch of Halloween movies. We did it around the Oscars. You can buy the Oscar Film Festival passport. We've done a Harry Potter passport, a bunch of Harry Potter movies. Season Screenings Passport. So for you can you can just go to any of these. You know, we're going to show them between now and now through Christmas. And it's all the classics. You know, it's Elf. And uh, Spirited Away, which is more of less newer, but we'll call it a classic. We're we're liberal in the classic department. Um, but you know, uh, Night Before Christmas, we've got um, uh, National National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Yes, yes. All, all these movies, 
And for $20, you get four of them. So five bucks a piece, basically. That's and you get a, temper, a 10%. And that's not all. I thought the guy with the kids are nice. Uh, 10% off uh, at the concession stand uh, or at the food, if you're getting food and beverage, if you're at Bistroplex or you're at, uh, at Movie Tavern. So, um, we do that, and you and you can pick which ones you want to see. You don't have to. It's not you know there. Are, there's more than there's more than four, but you pick what you want. You can go once a week, and it's really cool. And, and breaking news: I got breaking news. We're releasing. We did a survey to know what, and you're getting it here first. Oh, there we go. Uh, the uh, what? What were we asked our customer base? You know, what are your favorite holiday classic movies? And do you want to get? Do, do, do you want to take a guess? I, I don't. I won't do this. Be in the top five. Number one. Okay. Ding ding ding. Is this all time or uh, just recently? Well. Uh, percent what, what people how, what people would see in a movie theater? They're saying, um, "What's your favorite Hollywood Scrooge? Uh, no, but close. Okay, mm. Doctor Seuss, The Grinch is number two. Oh, is that the Jim Carrey movie? Uh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I get that one. Yep, number three, Christmas Vacation. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, number four, tie. Any, anything black and white. Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I was going to yep. say It's a Wonderful Life's got to yep. be in there somewhere. Yep, and number five, choo 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 choo, Polar Express. I've never seen that movie. Uh, I've seen it. I can't remember. It's like, <laughs> What's your favorite holiday movie? My favorite, um, I would have to say, well, <laughs> since it's my favorite comedy of all time is Animal House, which is a National Lampoon movie, yeah. I would have to go with Christmas Vacation. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a cloud. I think I watch it every Christmas because once it comes on, I can't stop watching it. And I'm a huge fan of Chevy Chase and all of the stuff he's done. And, and that, that movie speaks to the dysfunctional part of you know Christmas lights and Christmas trees and all that stuff celebrating that great holiday. So let's talk about some of the other parts of Marcus. I mean you guys are you got some of the best hotels in Milwaukee and beyond. One of my favorite hotels of all time is the Fister Hotel. Now you told me before you came on today, you've owned it. Marcus has owned it since the early sixties. Yep. Uh, my my grandfather uh, bought it in 1962. So my dad joined the company and he was my dad actually jokes about being the first uh, the first um, manager of the uh, the Fister Hotel. He always tells he tells this funny story. He's like he's like, he's like there on day one, you know, or day two, and uh, one of the housekeepers walks in. I remember, remember the Fister today was not the Fister of 1962. It was not. It wasn't in disrepair, but it was. It was an, an older hotel. Older. The, what we know now, the tower blue wasn't even there. Yeah, they had bought the original building, and it was. It was in needing some loving care, and they needed to get the operations back in shape. And so a housekeeper walks in, and she says to my dad, you know, he's the general manager of the hotel right now, hey, you know, what rooms am I supposed to clean? And he says, why are you asking me? And she says, well, the head housekeeper just quit. Oh, <laughs> so that was his warm introduction to the uh, Fister. But they made it was very special, and it's it's a special place for so many people. We know we talk about and This is perfect, whether it's the theaters or the hotels. We always talk about... Our business really is making memories. You know, you don't leave. I joke about this. I think I did last time too. You know, we, you might leave with the towel, <laughs> which we really don't want you to do. Yeah, no. But other than that, you don't leave with anything physical. You leave with a memory, and like all my great memories of the are of the Fister, and I, you know, of, of all the important events that I that I've had, or just just daily, or playing music, and all these things happen at the Fister for me. And like other people, that's the, the you walk in and it just brings back that flood of memories. My wife and I have celebrated anniversary weekends. We've we've certainly uh, stayed there for big events in downtown Milwaukee because it, it's comfortable and classy. And and just I told you before before you came on today, just walking into the lobby and walking up the stairs to the cafe. I love that cafe and and you have the little bar area out there. That's that's looked that way for quite a while, right? Uh yeah, we we, we well you know we've. 
we always have to update it. So actually, we're in the process of renovating the hotel for the, you know, every seven to 10 years you're doing stuff. So the lobby had a big renovation. In, when in 93, we did a huge renovation. We opened up the lobby. It was actually, what we, when you see that lobby bar, that used to be enclosed. It was called the Cafe Olay, and you That's couldn't right. even see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some, we, looked, we were looking at old pictures of the hotel, and it was open. And we, someone, one, of the, one smart designer said, let's open it up. It changed the whole dynamic. And so we opened it up. But about 10 years ago, we really needed, because it had been, at that point, 20 years since we'd really redone it. And we really did a lot of work and redid the fireplace area and the bar and everything. So now it's sort of new carpeting and fresh coat of paint. But at the end of the day, well, no matter what we do to it, and we were talking about this with the coffee shop. You know what makes the coffee shop great? What makes it great is Annie and Martina and Carrie people that and there. Sheena, yeah, you know, and uh, and Marisha. That's the people with all the people we know, the people you see every time. We, it's about the people. I don't care what about the building. What's the longest tenured employee you've had there? You've got to have some. Well, long... my dad right now is leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you something cool. A little, a little Easter egg, sort of. I guess at Christmas. I guess I'm messing. Up, I'm mixing my metaphorical holidays. But the if you look at the pictures on the if you go into the coffee shop you'll see paintings of all of the people who've been with us for over 25 years right. if you're there 25 years we paint your picture and put it up and so many people and you'll see people who are working there and you yes. don't recognize Isn't their that something it's so cool celebrating the people and the experience uh, our guest greg marcus we're going to talk about some of your other properties including the st kate's which i'm guessing all of the, the hotels are jazzed up for the holidays right oh yeah that's already happened oh yes theaters too do you, do you decorate for those as well yeah a little bit yeah a little bit yeah we're in the spirit Greg Marcus calling it right, the spirit of the holidays. He's always fun to spend time with, and we'll do that again in the new year. After the break, one of my favorite things of the year is salute to service, and one of our honorees will join us, Augie Guerrero, telling us what he did as a hero. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Back in May of this year, Carol Kane joined me, and we uh, both interviewed one of our Salute to Service honorees. If you don't know that, that story, every May I honor five great public safety heroes in our community. Here is Augie Guerrero's amazing story. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, oh, it's, it's an honor to meet you, truly. Thank I you. mean, I, I haven't heard your entire story yet. But Steve says it's a very impressive. So before we get to the, the piece that producer Brandon put together, um, I'm going to ask you a basic question. I, I ask almost every first responder I ever meet. What was the decision? What was the idea that said to you at some point in your young life, I want to be a first responder? I, I always knew I wanted to do something active. Just I don't see myself working behind a desk for 40, 30, 40 years. So I always wanted to do something active, something physical, something I could use my attribute my strengths with. So I found out about this cadet program through some friends whose family were on the job. And it's basically an apprenticeship, and they pay, pay your way to go through. And after two years, you become a recruit and then get on the job. And I just haven't looked back since. It's the best thing that's happened to me. So are you the only one in your family that does this kind of yeah, work? Yeah, I'm a first-generation firefighter. Okay. Would you encourage other people to get involved and like when, I don't know if you're married and have children or when you do have a family, would you encourage that kind of vocation? A hundred percent, especially kids that don't exactly know what to do. Um, college isn't always for everybody and there's something, the you know, fire department's a great option for people that really want to continue their education, but not necessarily the typical four-year bachelor degree route. I always say it's a calling. What you do is not a job. It is a calling because, you know, I'm the person running out 
as you're going in. And it's to take your personal safety and put it at risk like that is just unbelievable to me. We take a lot of pride in what we do and do a lot of training continuously. So one of the reasons you were nominated, besides being a first responder, is you responded to a specific event. So we're going to queue up our feature uh, that was really the story that was the, the person that nominated you, which I'll reveal in a little bit. Um, it tells your story, and it really tells the story of first responders. And uh, I want to thank our sponsors and our presenters, Educators Credit Union, The Packing House Restaurant in Cudahy, right, right there, not Cudahy, Milwaukee. I always say Cudahy because it's close to mm-hmm. Cudahy, uh, right by the airport on Layton Avenue, for letting us tell these stories. Uh, firefighter, Augie Guerrero, this is one of his stories. Hello, I'm Chief Aaron Lipsky of the Milwaukee Fire Department. I am here because we are honored to be able to nominate firefighter Augie Guerrero uh, for his actions on December 22nd, 2022. Now, some may call it a Christmas miracle, but Milwaukee firefighters say it's just part of the job. Last Thursday, a 911 call sent crews to a retention pond right by American Family Field. They found a car filling with water fast. A lady was driving her car, reports that she was cut off. It was slick roadways. She went off the expressway in the stadium interchange, down the embankment into a large retention pond, where she was unable to get out of the car, and the car was slowly sinking as she was on the phone with our dispatchers calling for help. I'm Augie Guerrero, firefighter for the Milwaukee Fire Department, and I've been on for about six years now. It was a cold, cold day. I believe wind chills got to about negative 25, maybe even less. And we were dispatched for a call of an auto extrication, which which primarily means that there was some car crash involved, somebody stuck. So when we were halfway en route to the location of the accident, we were informed by our dispatch that it was a person in the water in the retention pond. So our, our minds kind of shifted. It, it changed from a ice rescue instead of a auto education. So Augie responded with engine 33, which comes from right up Miller Parkway. Uh, he headed northbound into the interchange. They located the car. They could see down the embankment. Uh, he and his crew worked their way down the embankment very quickly. They were getting information from our dispatchers in real time uh, of how uh, how horrified this, this passenger, or, or the driver of this car was. Ma'am, we've already got help on the way, okay? I need to know exactly where you're at. They worked their way to the water line. They could see the water was up to the windows. They knew right away this is not getting better. Uh, And Augie, with no regard for his own personal safety, went right into the water. Now, that in and of itself is very risky given the temperatures involved. Uh, But also the ice had already given way, so there was there was little for him to rely upon as he worked out uh, towards the car. At that point, you're not doing a whole lot of thinking, especially when you're on scene, it's more instinctual. You just revert back to your training. You don't really have time to stay there and think about what you're going to do. It's just all instinct. And I was the person closest to the Chiefs buggy at that time, so I was the one that put on the Mustang suit. He was trying to converse with the lady who was rightfully very panicked, to get her to either try to get the window to go down or the door to open. It's all these people here. She could do neither. Uh, when you introduce water into a vehicle with electrical systems and whatnot, uh, everything shorts out. 
he had to uh, force that door open. He was able to get her out and get her to the shore uh, where she was treated and, and ended up ultimately fine from the whole incident. What does salute to service mean to you? It means a chance for my firefighters and paramedics, the community's firefighters and paramedics, to be remembered and recognized for those truly superhuman things that they do. And I'm just so proud that Augie gets to be included in that, that incredible list. It's an honor to be nominated, especially by our chief. Never, with the whole call, was never intending for this kind of outcome, but I'm glad that he nominated me considered me but it's good to honor those kind of people that you never really get to see a lot of that stuff on the news especially with police officers military personnel and there are a lot of people that deserve some sort of recognition thanks to all my amazing guests on our special hour of holiday interviews carol kane and sandy max for uh, helping ask the questions throughout the year gary sinise kyle troop greg marcus augie guerrero all amazing individuals part of the amazing stories we tell on this program and on wtmj merry christmas happy holidays everybody and if you're a fan of chef michael fecker we did a special hour of another holiday special with the chef local chef extraordinaire join us for that conversation on wtmj Happy Holidays from WTMJ. It's time for the best of WTMJ now. Here is a special culinary hour to add some flavor to your holidays. Here is Steve Scafidi with Chef Michael Fecker. And hello, everybody. Welcome to our holiday special. And this is a special show, one, because I love the holidays. And two, you've heard his voice, I don't know how many times he's been on WTMJ now, the incredible local chef from Milwaukee, Chef Michael Fecker. Happy Hello, holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you, my friend. Same to you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. By the way, if I'm here all the time, it's because of this man that has faith in me and you guys out there that are listening. You're here because I've had your food and it's really good. Thank you. I appreciate it. So when we were talking about this idea, I said, you know, it's the holidays and Christmas. Why don't we have Chef Michael Fecker in and talk about some of the great ideas that you have as a professional chef can make people's lives easier, can be festive, can be fun. Totally, Steve. I mean, food is really the center of attention when we get together. When we get together around the table, sitting down, or just standing in the kitchen, it doesn't matter. It's all around food. And holidays are even better to enjoy food. So do you have any traditions, like things related to food in the holidays that you like to do every year? I am very much a global kind of a guy. What I mean by that is I travel through the magic of food during the holidays. So I get an appetizer from India, I get one from Italy, so on and so forth. But what I want to make sure everybody understands, and I know they want this and they understand this, is I want to make their life easy. What's the point of entertaining if you can't entertain yourself? So when you're setting up your holiday menu or your schedule, yes, I would imagine that planning organization is a big part of that. So walk us through that part of it. Huge, huge part of it. Once you have a theme of what you want to do, you can build whatever you want around that theme. You got to make sure that you manage your time, you manage your space, and you manage your budget. Those three are very important. Are you writing these things down? Uh, you know, to a certain extent, uh, I am a chef. I am a chief of a kitchen. A home chef is the same thing. You can either write it down if you have an issue with organizing mentally, or 
Just do it as you go along. So give me some holiday theme ideas. Well, holiday theme idea, for example, this year we're going to Mexico. My wife is from Mexico, but this year we are focused on Mexico. So we're doing everything from appetizers to uh, entree to dessert from Mexico. And that favorite Mexican spice you have. Exactly. Tajin. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Which you can get anywhere, you tell me? Oh, my God. Now it's everywhere. I think we have- I the, think you're responsible for their uptick in sales. You are. We should, collect, we should collect, collect the royalty. So give me some of the tips. As you as you plan your holiday festivities, your holiday meals, some, some holiday tips. Got it. First, what kind of a menu do you have, like I mentioned? Then- Make your life simple. That's what I try to do. I try to choose dishes and techniques of cooking that allows me to prepare in advance, warm, and serve. I don't want to be in the kitchen the entire day while everybody is having a glass of wine and enjoying themselves, wondering. You want to be part of the fun. Totally. I want to enjoy the fun. Uh Totally. Yeah. All right. So as you're thinking about this stuff, do do you design for taste or ease? Both. Both. It has to be both because when I try to, I mean, when I design for ease, I got to make sure that easy dish is still flavorful and addictive. I want my guests to enjoy food and I go, man, the food was really good. I don't want the food to be a second thought or a second, uh, you know, eh, just thought about. Yeah. Is Can somebody actually plan too much? You are so correct. Everybody, a lot of times by overthinking it, they overplan. Once you overplan, things don't match. They don't come together like a nice puzzle does. We're going to talk know? about, throughout the hour, we're going to talk about the sp- specific recipes. We're going to do that after the break. We're going to talk about appetizers, which are one of my favorite things. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, the recently on Thanksgiving, I ate too many appetizers. When the main dish came out, huh? I was full. Yeah. So I had like a couple pieces of turkey and a piece of ham. That was it. By the way, you just said something that is great, and that is, why, who said you cannot just have a huge array of appetizers and you just pick and munch and mingle? All right, so <laughs> real quick, just to summarize, the, the best tips for thinking about what you're going to do during the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, whatever. Create a theme for yourself, manage your time, manage your space, manage your budget. What are you doing this Christmas and New Year's? This Christmas and New Year's, as I mentioned, we're doing a, a, a Mexican, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, Mexican and you're going focus. to Mexico. No, no, no. You're not no, going no, to we're Mexico. doing it here. You're but bringing it to... We're going to travel to Mexico through the magic of food. Absolutely. Give so, me some ideas of what those dishes would be. The, one of them is the bacalao. You know, bacalao yeah, is yeah. a cod yeah, that has been salted. So we do a bacalao patty. Then we're going to do a mole from Puebla. Then we're going to do a roast that they do in Mexico City with lamb, shanks, and lamb. I should Sorry. just come to your yeah, house. I, absolutely, delicious. yeah. And a lot of them, I'm going to just put them out in smaller appetizer dishes. A little bit of crackers here and there, so you put some lamb on it, you know, on and on and on. Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our Christmas and holiday special. Talking about cooking, which is no surprise because you're one of the outstanding chefs in the Thank Milwaukee you, area. So it's not just about general themes, specific recipes. We're going to lay out in the next segment some specific recipes that might work for your holiday special. Chef Michael Fecker in studio. Merry Christmas, everybody. Be right back. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Thanks for joining us on our holiday special. It is special because in studio on this holiday, Chef Michael Fecker. Hello, everybody. Always great to see you. Always great to talk food. Every time you're in studio with me, and you've been on a bunch of times, I always find myself very hungry after you leave and after I'm done with the show. That that means a lot, Steve. But at the same time, you know, is also the 
flavors that I bring to the table, I try to also go through the microphone and bring our listeners in there as well. And I know that works because every time you're on, I am answering emails for days asking about recipes. And we and we wanted to make sure that today, of all days, on a special cooking edition of, of a holiday special, that we talked about specific recipes. So we're going to dive deep on some of this stuff. All of this will be available on your website. Which is uh, chefficker.com. And on WTMJ.com. Absolutely. And we'll put it all together for you. So any recipe that we talk about, any dish that we're talking about, we'll have all of that on our website and on yours as well. That's why we're here. We're going to make everybody's life uh, easy. All right. So (laughs) let's talk about some dishes, specific dishes. One of the dishes that we don't do as much anymore, and I don't know why, is ham. First, I love ham. Yeah, I love ham. First of all, it is already pre-done for you. So all we're going to do because is... Because it's smoked, right? Of course, yeah, it yeah. is smoked, and through the smoking process, it's cured and cooked. So all you're really doing is warming it up. <clears throat> and in that platform of warming it up, you can infuse it with whatever flavor you have and you want. I do it with a maple syrup glaze with a Wisconsin cranberry and Wisconsin apple chutney. All right, for the simpletons out there, you're just brushing on the glaze? Exactly. Exactly. You're brushing on the glaze before you put it in the oven. Okay. But at the same time, I'm going to go through this little by little so everybody understands. Combine your ingredients in a small little saucepan. Bring your glaze up to a boil so that all the flavors marry each other, right? Meanwhile, start scoring your ham. I prefer you buy a pre-sliced ham because by doing so, all of this glaze is going to penetrate inside. inside. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to go in there. Then you need to trick your ham by adding a little bit of liquid like I do. I put half a cup of white wine in the bottom of the roasting pan. Then I set my ham in there, tented with an aluminum foil. I put it in the oven at 325 degrees for about 15 minutes per pound. If it's an eight pound Which is kind of the normal size. Very Exactly. And what you're trying to do here is you don't want to, you know, shock the ham. You just want to warm up the ham. That's really what you want to do. And it's already cooked. So you don't have to worry about, oh my God, what's the temperature? So what are we talking, a couple hours? A couple of hours max. Mm-hmm. And if you're going at 300, and remember, the liquid is not hot yet. So by the time the liquid gets hot in those 15 minutes or so per pound, it's going to be perfect. So when you have a ham that's not pre-sliced, proper method of slicing that ham, thickness of slices, does it matter? Um, it does because, remember, if you do not cut a protein against a grain, it's going to be tough. So if it's very thick and somebody doesn't cut it right, say, oh, my God, that is so tough. So try to stay within that quarter inch the best you can. Okay. Quarter inch. Yeah. All right. So that's the ham. How Correct. about some other seasonal things that we could, we could mix into that? Uh, the ham is one of the things that I love. Another one that we do, I do leg of lamb. So that seems trickier. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But the nice thing about a leg of lamb is many people want it medium rare, many people don't. So let's put that to the side. Roasted chicken. I don't know why we don't do roasted chicken with the cranberry butter. You know, it's so easy. You get some frozen cranberries and some butter at room temperature, blend it together, rub the entire chicken with cranberry butter, salt, pepper. Inside the cavity, you put some lemon, you put some half oranges, a little bit more cranberries, and roast. When you joined me for the week of Thanksgiving, you talked about this cranberry sauce recipe. Yeah. Do you know it off the top of your head? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Cranberry. We're going to have two cups of cranberry. We're going to have one cup of brown sugar. We're going to add it together with half a cup of white wine, and we're going to bring it to a boil, turn it down to a simmer, and let it go. And blend. One of the things that you talked about on the last show is 
There are things you can make ahead. Is ham one of those? Absolutely. I would not let any of our listeners do the ham the day of. They create the glaze. They glaze the ham. They let it sit. The day of, they put it in the oven and walk away and let a timer tell you, okay, it's time to take me out and done. And even easier when it's pre-sliced. Absolutely. Got to get it pre-sliced. You know why, guys? Because you're going to struggle with figuring out how am I going to slice this. Let the job be done for you. Enjoy yourself. So you talked about ham, the chicken. I'm uh, talking about chicken breasts, I'm assuming. Uh, with the cranberry glaze uh, or you cranberry can, sauce? No, I do a whole chicken roasted. A whole chicken? Whole chicken, yeah. So it's more magnificent at the table, you know. But if you want to do chicken breast, that is also another thing that you can do. Then the cooking technique is totally different. How much of the ham, and some people cook whole chicken, some people cook turkeys. Turkey is still, yeah. How much should that be the focus of your thing? Or is it is it about the sides and some of the side dishes? The main character of a movie is very important, but the supporting cast is just as important. So we gotta make sure that we have some nice sides that are simple and again, pre-done, and you just do it. So quickly before break, some sides that would work with the ham, sides that would work with the, the chicken with the cranberry sauce. It's gonna go with everything, glazed carrots, green beans, and cream of spinach. And the cream of spinach, like I told you in a couple of shows before this, was we're just going to be cooking the spinach, or you can get it frozen and defrost, thaw it out, saute in a little bit of olive oil, a bunch of shredded cheese mixed together, put it in a Pyrex. All right, so after the break, this is my favorite part coming up. Appetizers. Yes. Oh, appetizers for the it. holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. Chef Michael Fecker, you know him from El Mito and Dobies. What else? And uh, we are in Heartland and Zesty and El Mito Cafe in Delafield. We are spending the day together talking about cooking and food. I cannot wait. Appetizers coming up next on WTMJ Now. Miss you guys. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show. Presented by Heiser Automotive. Welcome back, everybody. Happy holidays. It is fun to spend a holiday with Chef Michael Fecker, local restaurateur, chef extraordinaire, and and somebody who, I got to say, because you've been on the show a number of times, you're one of my most popular guests. Thank you, Steve. That means a lot. I love you guys. What do you you think is your personality or your cooking? I think the way I try to um, share my love for what I know how to do. You're very passionate about it. Thank you. Thank you. I love to cook. I cook to live. I live to cook. So I love to share that with everybody. All right. I told you this before in the hour that I am a big fan of appetizers. Yes. I I love it. I think it it extends the meal. Totally. It kind of sets the tone. Yes. To break the ice, basically, of a gathering, it is great to munch on a few appetizers, have a nice drink, and make sure you make it really strong. The first one, you got to get them, guys. (laughs) Dull their senses a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I like that. This food is amazing. That's right. Oh, my God. Everything tastes great (laughs) after that. All right. So one one of the words you used in my notes is sophisticated. Yes. Are appetizers sophisticated? Appetizers should be sophisticated, but still simple. And what I mean by sophisticated, your palate picks up on sophistication. And what I mean by that, again, is everything makes sense when you take that first bite. Sometimes you go somewhere, something sounds amazing. You take a bite and you go, what just happened? Like nothing makes sense. So, for example, right now through the magic of food again, I'm going to take you to Italy. You love, everybody loves caprese, right? Oh, beautiful. You just put it in a skewer and you call it a caprese kebab. So a small little piece of mozzarella a cherry tomato cut in half, a leaf of basil rolled like a cigar, and put on its uh, basically Q-tips and pick it up and enjoy it. That is simple. It's so simple. Why is that sophisticated? Because you know, what I meant, like I told you before, sophistication comes from the flavor. 
Complication doesn't mean it's sophisticated. What I mean by sophisticated yet simple, that's what I mean. The flavors are sophisticated. You got to have something, whatever you have, soft, you want some firm texture with it. For example, what do you love? A brie and cranberry, for example, um, appetizer. The cranberry and the brie are soft, but the puff pastry or the filo dough is crunchy. And that's what I mean by that. You use crunch and nice and creaminess together. So here's a real life question. What's the right number of appetizers? Say I'm serving a a meal for six people, my wife and I, what's the right number of appetizers? Six people? Yeah. Three max. Three max. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what I meant at the beginning the way we were talking. We sometimes complicate our lives. Like sometimes we make a dish. We want to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then our palate goes into overdrive. We just don't pick up the palates and the flavors anymore. You know what I mean? So what I have to do always, what I try to do is with my wife. If you're going to do a cheese platter, let's make sure there's a soft cheese, there's a medium cheese, and there's a hard cheese. And keep it at that. Don't introduce seven different cheeses, you know, because your palate doesn't pick it up. A nice fig jam in the middle. These days they make it for you and you can buy it. You know what's big now? Charcuterie. Charcuterie board, which is basically cheese board with some meats. Yeah, and yeah. people put grapes on there. Is that a smart Love way it. to approach Love the appetizer? It. I think Love it's it. got everything, something for everybody. Absolutely, and you have a little bit of a small plates. People serve themselves or some croutons or some uh, crostini. They make their own. That's the beauty of uh, gathering together, you know, breaking bread together. Presentation's always important, right? Huge. So Huge. even in appetizers, how you present it, garnishes, talk about that. Do not keep your plates empty. What I mean by that, if you have a platter and you only have six people and you want to give them one of each thing, put everything combined on a platter. If you're going to make big individual platters, then use a smaller platter or a plate. So that means it looks full all the time. What's your thoughts on the uh, the bacon-wrapped water chestnut? A very I, popular appetizer. Not only that, they're very simple also. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I love you guys to do. Like a prosciutto-wrapped asparagus, you know, yep, yep. something like that. Very simple. You don't need... Then it's still sophisticated. You got the asparagic acid from the asparagus. You have the saltiness from the prosciutto. You have the protein in there. On and on and on. That's what sophistication is all about, flavor. Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our holiday special devoted to holiday cooking and parties and all of that. What's an appetizer no-no? Something you should not do. That's a great question. I know. I asked it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I swear. That's a great question. Well, um, I, I would say something that mimics what you're going to serve in the main course. Not only, uh, yeah, that's a great one because you do not want to already taste something that Don't you want to Don't serve chicken when you're going to have chicken later. That's right. Exactly. I think one of the no-nos uh, for me, as far as appetizer goes, is do not do something, again, that is very, very time-consuming and complicated. How about this one? It's my, one of my favorite appetizers. Not just for the holidays, all the time. Chicken wings. Give I me, love it. Give me a quick recipe for chicken wings. Woo-hee. Okay, the night before, what we're going to do with the chicken wings, we're going to create a mixture of seasoning in a, ba- a, a bad, I mean, sorry, bath of flavor, which is going to be a chicken broth. And then we're going to put the chicken wings in there and we're going to slowly cook them. But you've got to start cold and you let the chicken wings slowly cook for about 15 to 20 minutes. The day of, you rub it with the flavor that you want, whether it's going to be a spicy raw, barbecue, somewhere, in the oven for 25 to 30 minutes at about 30, 375 degrees. The chicken wings are already cooked. The second thing that you're doing right now is you're glazing them, basically. And that's what it is. 
So that's what I would do when it comes to chicken wings. Personally, I like to do my chicken wings buffalo only and have a couple of sauces next to it. That's just, Barbecue, that's just yeah. butter and hot sauce, basically, isn't it? Well, and some tahini. <laughs> <laughs> he is Chef Michael Fecker. It's our holiday special talking about cooking. After the break, home cooking for the holidays. That sounds like a holiday, that right? That is my favorite. Are you a big Christmas song guy? <sighs> I have terrible voice, though. <laughs> we won't ask you to sing. Yeah, right? Lots more to get to on our holiday special. We'll See do you that soon, after guys. This. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays in studio on our special holiday cooking special, Chef Michael Fecker. You can hear him on my show during the week, WTMJ Now, 9 to noon. Chef, home cooking for the holidays. There's a lot that's special about that. It's heartwarming. We all do it during the holidays. We're gathering together. It's a big part of our holiday tradition so talk about some recipes, maybe some uh, some comfort foods, and the the real, really big one that I like, involving the people that are at your party or at your gathering in, in the cooking process. Totally. Or in, uh, inviting and including loved ones to do some recipes that belong to loved ones. That's huge. Look, food, Steve, truly... What food is responsible for is not only just gathering us around the table. It can allow us to travel without leaving our house. It can allow us to cherish the moments that we have had in the past. And that we can do with recipes. If you have a recipe of your grandma that you love and she has a huge part on your, in your heart, bring it alive by cooking it. Let people get involved in making it with you. What do you think about like the potluck version of a gathering where everybody brings their favorite dish? Is that does that work? There is two reasons we do this in my opinion. One is because we don't want to cook and we want to share the space and let everybody bring it. Another one is we want to taste everybody else's flavor, and that's beautiful. If that is your intention, that's great. Let everybody bring. But again, like I said at the beginning, create a theme, share your theme with everybody, and let their potluck be how do they see your theme so that it becomes an event. You talked earlier about you're doing a Mexican theme uh, where your wife's from. Um, Other cherished family recipes that you like to prepare uh, at different gatherings, different events? You know, my parents, I used to do, they, they truly manifested love through food, events, gatherings, and everything. A lot of time I do my mom's. You know, favorite dishes also for holiday gatherings. My dad's favoring, you know, he loved kebabs, for example, or skewers. So I'll do a lot of those. Otherwise, mainly right now I'm focused on my family and my uh, wife's family and uh, her mom's because she's here with us. As somebody who creates dishes, makes food for a living. Yes. Can you make the connection between a tremendously cooked dish, a presentation, a gathering, and the comfort that that brings to people? I mean, you see it in your restaurant, I'm sure. Totally. Absolutely. I was in Philadelphia a few days ago, and it's funny you asked the question. Uh, I was in Philadelphia the, the other day, and we had dinner at someone's uh, house. She made this tenderloin, I swear to you. A three-star Michelin chef couldn't have made that damn tenderloin the way she did. <laughs> I swear, it was so beautiful. It was so well done. And the temperature, the searing, the caramelization of the Maillard reaction. I mean, when you sit down and analyze those things, she just did it with love. That's it. That's the secret ingredient she used. She was amazing. It as was somebody, absolutely amazing. As and somebody it, who does what you do, 
and this is sort of a sad twist on, on the tradition. Are you worried that some of the traditions of cooking are going away because so many people now are doing, you know, the fast versions, the, you know, just pick it up and eat it, it versions? Is. It, they are. They, you know, of course I am. And But at the same time, still, we will come back. You know, what goes that away one way or another, you know, shows back again. Like m- many of us now, we want to go back to the tradition because it gives us an anchor of being who we are. Uh, other tips that you suggest to people during these holiday gatherings that make their life easier when they're cooking, preparing foods, making their appetizers, that just simplify the process. Start long away from the, before the date. That means how, how long? I would do three. Look, I do three weeks. If I have a recipe for you, for example, which I love to share with you, which is a short rib recipe, where are you going to get your short rib from? Is it going to be bone in or bone out? Okay, chef said bone out. Now, what do I do if it's bone in? You know, you got to plan for these things. Otherwise, it's going to be a constant stress running the last few days and not finding what you want. You give into whatever you have. And the quality of the ingredients matters. I mean, exactly. you should spend some time at a grocery store or a, or a butcher shop picking out the stuff that looks good, that's going to taste good. That's exactly right. That's why when you start in advance, you have time to be choosing and being picky. Uh, Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our special holiday cooking special. Now, all of the, the cool things that you make, recipes that you've talked about or recipes you're going to prepare, we're going to give listeners a chance to find those on your website which is chefficker.com and on wtmj.com i'm going to have all the recipes that we're going to talk about plus a lot more recipes that i have in my portfolio all right now i always want to give you a chance to plug your restaurants because they are fantastic i've been at two of them talk about that a little bit il mito in wawatosa il mito cafe in delafield zesty in heartland and dobie's Steak and more in uh, St. Francis. And every time I've taken somebody to one of your restaurants, they said that is the best fill in the blank. Lasagna. At Lasagna or meatballs. You know, I try to do things that are heartwarming. And that's really what I want to do in all of my restaurants. Things that people can relate to and take them back to their childhood. Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our special holiday special after the break. Beverages, right? Yes. Balancing I told you from the, the menu. beginning. Balancing the menu, beverages, and getting him drunk. That's the reason I want you to listen. (laughs) That's why he's on, Chef Michael Fecker. See you guys. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Nothing better than sharing the holiday with Chef Michael Fecker. You hear him during the week. Hello, sometimes. everyone. Yeah, great to hear from you on uh, WTMJ. Now he joins me talking about just generally cooking. You always have recipes to share. All of the recipes that you talk about or some of the ideas you're going to share on your website. The, uh, cheffecker.com and your website. WTMJ.com. A couple things I want to do in this, in this next few minutes. It's not just about the food. It's sometimes about the beverages. I'm a wine drinker. Yes. But I also like mixed drinks as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of Aperol spritzes. That's Love my it. newest drink. Yeah. I had a few you of them. You had it in Italy, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I was, yeah. We were both in Italy. Yes, sir. We were actually there around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about the significance of a well-thought-out beverage plan for a holiday gathering. I'm going to take you back in the back, I mean, to the world of restaurants. And we're going to use that to uh, set up our events and our parties at home. In a restaurant, one of the things that you love is your server comes to your table and you tell them what kind of a drink you feel like and they make it for you at the bar. Do exactly the same thing at home, but you're not a bartender. You are a host. Provide the liquor, the mixes, and everything. Let your guests make their own drinks. Right there, you're breaking the ice. So then from that moment on, they are a part of 
the event and the place and the home that you have created. And you give ownership. That's one of the biggest things that I believe in the marketing, what I do, and the restaurants that I have. Give ownership to the guests. Here's a real-life hosting question. How many wines should you have available for a gathering? The best way you can go about this, in my opinion, is a blend. Like I have a white blend that I always go to is a Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and a Pinot Grigio. You can go better than that. All three of them are in there, and it hits your palate as if you're having a little bit of each. The other one is a red blend, for example. Remember, a single varietal only hits one part of your palate. A blend teases your palate all the way around. So I'm a blend guy, you know, when it comes to parties. What about non-alcoholic stuff? Non-alcoholic stuffs, you know, uh, in many ways, these days, they are available a lot more. But if you're going to have some non-alcoholic and nobody, somebody doesn't want to drink, then provide it. I don't really know how you would, but the easiest way to do it is, A, make a punch that is non-alcoholic with a ladle in it and let them serve themselves. Because maybe I love that punch so much, I want to add some vodka to it. So if you're hosting a party and you've got the bar thing going on and you've got the kitchen going on, where should the people be? Should they be in the kitchen? Should they be in the bar area? No, you can't tell that. I assure you they're in the kitchen. 99.9% Even though they're in the way. It doesn't matter. And sometimes you don't want them to be, you know, get out of my way. That's usually, <laughs> that's usually when the event has turned into a stress, you know, center. <laughs> you know, but really, but at the same time, if they do come into the kitchen, do not stress over it. Use them and use their energy. Get them involved in what you're doing. Can you... Can you put this on the table for me? By the way, Janet, get this. Give me that bread. It's and people out of are the okay. They're okay to do that. They love it. They love it. They become a part of it. Steve, you're not going to an event or to a gathering if you're just going to be standoffish and stay away. Then what are you there for? Do you like the formal setting or casual? I love the casual setting. I love the casual setting. When, well, what, about, what about somebody who likes a formal setting? They like all the, all the accoutrements of a table. I mean, my wife does that. My wife does that, but it depends on what and who we have coming over. If I want to do a formal setting, then I'm dedicated to that. But if I'm going to do a casual event, which I know is going to be much more fun for the group of people and the kind of people that I'm inviting, that's what I'm going to focus on. Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our special WTMJ holiday show. You have a home. Yes. Is there a number that suggests this too many people? Yes. For dinner. What's, yes. the, what's the number? Uh, give me a size of an apartment. Or an, well, a 1,500 square room. foot apartment or a 2,500 square foot house? Well, I will do between, the, right now, I tell you. We have a 2,700 square home, for example, and the living room is a lot less than that. I have 33 people coming for Christmas. 33? 33. That seems too many. No, I, I know it is, but... We're all going to be standing around. Nobody's sitting down. Nobody's going to be there looking for a seat to sit down. The older ones, like my mother-in-law and everybody, yeah, they're going to have areas to sit down. But there's going to be enough. 33 people. My son saw the number. He goes, Dad, you're kidding me, right? How are we going to fit 33 people? Son, your mother invited. You're going to say yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's a big I – I, I haven't had that. I've had 20-something. Yeah. 33 is a yeah. big group. Yeah. All right. Talk about – before we close this segment um, – the balance, the perfect menu, and creating the perfect experience for your guests when, it, it. when you're talking about holiday cooking. Focus on one protein. Then, if you're not, if you're going to have vegetarian friends, make a vegetarian side so Special they can dish also for them. Enjoy, yeah. And at the same time, keep your menu simple. Crunch is important. 
the protein has to be nice and easy. That's why I wanted to, for you to buy a pre-carved ham, for example, so you don't have to worry about carving it. Have a couple of sides and do not go overboard. More doesn't mean better. A bite of a slow braised piece of short ribs with some roasted garlic mashed potato, I am much more happier. But I tell you something else you can do. Also give him surf and turf. You got the short ribs, why don't you do a few shrimps as well? Because some people may be pescatarian, they don't want to eat beef, it's there. So that's how you manage a menu, basically. A protein, a vegetable, and a side, and a refresher, such a salad. I got to ask you this question. If you have a party... Do you ever have a simple bowl of chips? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah, of yeah. course. Do you know how many people love uh, chips with uh, their, their drinks or some mixed, uh, you know, cocktail nuts like um, almonds and uh, pine nuts and so on and so forth? Yeah, they love it. Of course I do. My, my kids love chips. So not always fancy. No, of I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> right. Chef Michael Fecker joining us on our holiday special. After the break, a wrap-up holiday cheers and some recaps of our exciting hour talking about holiday cooking. And where you can get all the information you need, ChefFecker.com or WTMJ.com. You're listening to WTMJ Now's Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Well, this hour has gone fast. I'm joined in studio by Chef Michael Fecker, our holiday cooking special. First of all, it's, it's a thrill to spend the holidays with Steve, you. Steve, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, everybody. Yeah, it's it's um, you're always one of my more popular guests on the show, and whether we're talking about Thanksgiving or now Christmas or really any – we were talking about barbecuing during the summer yeah. and great yes, we dishes, were. easy yeah. dishes. Yeah. I guess the thing for me is I love the celebration of the holiday. I love the fact that I'm seeing yes. family together. And we've, we've had a rule the last few gatherings – we keep it fun and light and positive, and I think that's a good recommendation. It's it's not just about the food. It's not just about the, the people there, but having a positive conversation. Tell me a little bit about your family and how you gather during the holidays. Gather with a mission. The mission, whatever your mission is, gather with that mission in mind. My mission is to bring everybody around the table and allow food to be a bonding mechanism, basically. And another thing is, these are the times that we really need to make up for the moments and the times that are lost. One way or another, you know, we have to live together. we got to love one another, one way or another, and food does that. So we talked in this hour about some of the main dishes, some of the appetizers. Let's do a little bit of a recap. Um, if you're going to set up a perfect holiday fair for your guests, what are you thinking? First rule, keep it simple. Two, make sure that you are a guest at your own event. And you cannot do that if you're stressing and trying to only take care of your guests. And I assure you, if that is the case, nobody's going to be going home saying, wow, what a great event. Because you're stressed. If you come to my restaurant and I'm stressed in the kitchen, you're going to taste that stress in my food. Then make sure you do the majority of the work and prepare in advance the day of warm and serve. And that's all I want you to think about. Manage your time, manage your budget, manage your space. If you have one oven, don't try to do something that all three items on your menu <laughs> needs to go in the oven. And then you wake up at 4.30 in the morning to be able to do the pie, to do this, to do that, and everything else that we try to do. Use the proper techniques. I love braising. I love roasting. But I do something. If my main course is braising... I only use the oven for something else. That's what I do. Do not mix things together. By the way, always create proper lighting in the home so it is inviting. And make sure the aroma 
of the food that you're cooking and everything is lingering everywhere. You can do that very easily with the rosemary. Heat up a little bit of olive oil, throw a, a rosemary in there, crush an olive, throw it in there in a hot oil. This aroma is going to go everywhere. I didn't, may... I didn't ask you earlier, but the, the importance of bread. Huge. Breaking bread, right? Not only that, Steve, bread is the first thing that goes on your palate. Usually roasted garlic butter, oh, for example. Yeah. Or olive bread, oil. Olive oil dip, you know, with some Parmesan and cracked pepper. I mean, simple things like that. And a nice cup of coffee at the end. First impression, last impression. It's like bookmarks to a great Exactly, party. exactly. All right, so you wanted to share a quick and easy holiday cocktail recipe. Okay. Now, this is the thing about cocktails. Again, we try to complicate it or we see a recipe in the book and we want to copy it. No. Go with what you think the crowd will love. If everybody is an old-fashioned lover and probably 90% of your drinks are going to be old-fashioned, create an old-fashioned punch. What I do usually is I love bourbon, so I do bourbon just exactly like I'm making in Manhattan. A little bit of sweet vermouth and some cherry and oranges muddled, throw in the bowl, and some ice. And everybody serves themselves. What's your favorite holiday cocktail? Yeah, (laughs) old-fashioned. Really? I would have said Manhattan. That's why I'm so selfish. I make it for everybody. (laughs) I would have said Manhattan for me. I like like, like Manhattan. It's all booze. And it is the holidays, uh, and I'm not driving anywhere. Don't listen to him. It's not all booze. (laughs) There's wonderful drinks. All right. So I've had a fascinating hour with you. We're going to share all of our recipes, some great ideas on your website. ChefVicker.com and on your website? WTMJ.com. Perfect. But we're encouraging all of you who are, have listened to this hour to share your stories as well. So when we post it on WTMJ.com, share your comments or on... Or on ChefVicker.com, please, please share your recipes with me or your thoughts or your ideas or your questions. I'm your personal chef. What am I here for? And I will respond to as many as I can on WTMJ.com as well. It's It's been fun. Um, something unrelated to cooking as we kind of wrap the holiday edition of my, uh, my hour with Chef Michael Fecker. Um, maybe a holiday story or tradition that you have in your family unrelated to food, something that you do every year during the holidays. Uh, we, we do exactly what they do in Mexico a lot of times. And at midnight, we go outside and a group of us sing. And basically, the doors got to open after we finish. We had a neighbor call the police on us. <laughs> I'm not kidding You're you. You're that I bad of a to, singer. No, I'm terrible. <laughs> but the amount of noise, because 33 people, that's 15 a, outside, 15 outside. Yeah. So the neighbors called the police on us. And the officer showed up and said, Chef, keep it down, man. <laughs> So Boy, when you're little. singing that loud. Yeah, I know. That exactly. means you're excited about the holiday. Yeah, Steve, 15 people, for God's sakes, are singing out that loud. So it was really loud. Yeah. I wish you a Merry Christmas, Thank my, you, friend, my friend. And a uh, happy holidays. We'll, we'll be talking in the new year. Absolutely. And 2024 is going to be full of flavor. And may you all have a well seasoned and flavorful holiday and every day of your life. And for all the things we talked about and to encourage you, we encourage you to participate as well, WTMJ.com. I will link all of this on our website and also on ChefFicker.com. And I'm only an email away or a text. Just email me and I'll answer any questions I can to make your holiday season even more flavorful. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Love you, everybody. Love you, Steve. Thank you for having me.